We're going to shift gears a little bit here this morning into something that I'm quite excited about. This whole last three weeks, we've been talking about open doors. How can we possibly see doors open so that people can receive and or hear and receive and understand uh, the message about how Christ loves them, died for them, and uh, lives to lead them and guide them into a great future? How can we how can we share that with people uh, in a way that people will will uh, understand and be able to receive it? And so we've been talking about different things that would help with that. First, having a, a posture of blessing. Saying, start with blessing. That's where we, we've been talking about. Start with blessing. That's a great way, place to begin. If you have animosity in your heart towards people, you're not going to come as good news. Uh, even though you're bringing the good news, you might not be the good news packaging that it really should be. And then we, we said, it's important to spend time with people. It's part, if people are going to trust you, you've got to spend time with them. Uh, you got to let them know you, and you got to get to know them. And so whether you're serving them or they're serving you, but just that regular, normal interaction requires time. And then we talked last week about meeting needs. Uh, we had Pastor Dave Marr uh, come join us from Assiniboia. He shared on that we, we're called to meet the practical needs of people that we're serving. And uh, sometimes, in fact, many times, you'll find that those practical needs can't be met any other way than through God's intervention. And so that's why we need to pray. We need to pray for people to bless them in advance. We need to pray for people for their felt needs, where they hurt in life. And then we'll have some things that only God can meet that need. And so we need to pray for a supernatural intervention of God in their lives. And so that leads us up to this Sunday, which is about just sharing Jesus. And so in order to help me to talk about that this morning, uh, I'm excited to invite two special guests who are going to join me on the stage. And so would you, I'll give you their names, and then I want you to just welcome with a great big Hillcrest welcome here this morning. So we're going to invite Mike McDonald and Royce Lewis to come on up. Let's give them a great welcome. Now, I've had a couple times to chat with these guys already, so uh, I sort of know what's coming. And, uh, but I think you're going to really be uh, blessed by the story that they've got to share with us today. So welcome, guys. It's good to have you there. Let's maybe check the mics, make sure they're working here this morning. Mike, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> I'm not sure which show this is. Uh, you can tell us afterwards which late-night show this resembled the most. Uh, and Royce, good to he- have you here as well. Thanks. Am I on? Yep. You're on. You're on. That's great. Well, we're, we're going to talk about a specific day, a specific, a specific day from last year, from 2021. August the 7th is the day we're going to talk about. But what we want to talk about to set up the stage for August 7th, did I say that right? August 7th, 2021. Before we get to that day, we want to set it up and, uh, so that the story makes sense to you. Um, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're a farmer in our community and, uh, you know, your family man and some of those things, but I want to really ask you to talk personally about where you were at, a little bit of that life journey that led up to uh, August the 7th. So tell us where you were at, and uh, I know you've shared some pretty deep stuff when I've asked you about this before, and we're ready for it. So um, just tell us where you're at. Well, first of all, i got to apply this caveat. Uh, I'm ridiculously nervous. I avoid public speaking at all costs. So uh, the other night when we met with Steve... I thought it was pretty rough, so I had to go home and I had to write it all out. I wanted to sit up here and just spill it, but I thought I may forget it. So it might sound like I'm reading from a book, but this is the way i got to do it. So (laughs) 
Um, this is a very short version to extremely long story of my life, uh, 40 plus years old, and yeah, it hasn't been easy for a lot of my life. Um, you know, my life isn't a lot different than what it was uh, than it is now. Um, I kind of struggled with something. You know, I dealt with a lot of fear of everything, anxiety, worry. Basically, if it was negative, I felt it. Uh, most mornings I would wake up, walking across the yard, going to work, uh, puking, you know, throwing up every day, just worrying about what the day had in store for me. Uh, as a child, I had a terrible fear of the dark and did for most of my adult life. Um, I could very seldom stay over at friends' place just because of a high level of anxiety. And as I got older, I would end up drinking a lot heavily, a lot heavier and more frequently than most, and using uh, THC products. Um, then one very random day, a uh, thought entered my mind, and it was um, uh, suicide. Suicide was my only way out. I thought about it once a month, I thought about it once a week, and I thought about it daily, right down to multiple times an hour. Um, it never left. It, it just haunted me daily. Um, I found myself in terrible situations like on top of the bins, arguing with my mind, uh, you know, whether I should jump or not. Uh, these were long, intense, exhausting battles. It was as if I had no control over my own mind. Uh, one morning I ended up in the yard all alone. Uh, nobody was around, everybody was gone, like my family, employees. All of a sudden a, neg a wave of negativity swelled inside and it just says, now's your chance. And it takes all you can do to fight it to the point where I panicked and I had to call a friend. I asked him to come get all the guns out of the house. I felt I couldn't be trusted and I couldn't leave myself alone. Uh, the worst part that evolved from this obsessive thinking uh, was uh, a dream that developed that took place every day for nearly two, day two years. Uh, it was a detailed dream of the completion of suicide. Um, it was very graphic, it was very disturbing and downright scary. Um, it was a good reason not to want to fall asleep. I didn't sleep very well for years, like years, my whole life, I guess, basically. Um, it was a terrible way to start the day in the morning, you know, wasn't it? It just set the day, set the mood, and that's what, the way it was. I seeked help through doctors, use of prescription drugs, nothing seemed to click right. First time I looked through for help medically was 15 years ago. I would talk to family and friends, but no one seemed to have the answers. Everyone would say, I don't know what I can do to help, but whatever it is, we'll do it. I didn't have an answer for him. I didn't know what I needed to, to have done, you know. Uh, leading up to August 7th, a uh, person I reached out to was a police officer and good friend of mine, Jay Sills. He specializes in mental health with the police force in town here. Um, Jay didn't always have this job, but when I found out he took the position, I kind of felt like maybe Jay could help me, you know. It was kind of my last resort. So one day I was driving home in the sprayer one night going down the number two highway. I was on hands free. <laughs> uh, he answered the phone in his always chipper voice and I soon brought the mood down in a, a very negative long talk. Uh, that night Jay got me through it and we chatted for days after that back and forth. And in a few of our conversations Jay had mentioned I should read out, reach out to Royce Lewis. Royce is a mutual friend of ours. Um, my response was just simply yeah, you know, I know Royce, but I'm just, I'm not there with Royce. Like, this is deep, this is dark. Royce is a good guy, but I just, I'm not sure if, if I need to chat with uh, Royce about this. But he assured me that Royce would be a great guy to chat with. All right. That's a lot. It is. That's a lot in a short time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your vulnerability in this regard, because this is, uh, you're touching into some pretty deep stuff. We're living right now, I think, 
people say we're living in a mental health epidemic. And uh, so lots of people out there, there's probably parts of your story already that some people are saying, hey, I sort of recognize that, you know, there's some real stuff. Um, Royce, ta- you know, you say he wasn't quite there w- with you then. So what was your relationship with Mike like before that? Like, just give us the, the, the gist of your side of the story at that point. Yeah, I guess, well, I'm pretty good friends with his brother-in-law, and so we met that through, through him. And uh, I guess it started probably with these lodge meetings we have, which is farmers in a shop drinking beer is what it is. Um, so it's not the possum lodge, is it? Is it the possum? No, there's no... <laughs> there's no possum involved. There's no real requirements <laughs> to join. Well, it's even a lower bar than the possum lodge. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, so then, uh, yeah, I'd kind of gotten to a place where I wasn't sure that was, that was maybe the best culture to be in, but through the prompting of the Lord, we just, I just felt like it, we were kind of doing things, I was doing things that were maybe out of my comfort zone a little bit. And, uh, you know, most of our friends at this point had become, basically, they weren't, they weren't a part of church culture, so it just sort of, as we as our farming career progressed or we just sort of developed these, cultivate these relationships that weren't people that were from the church. And so, yeah, Mike is a really sharp guy, really likable. And yeah, I just started to get to know him. I, Royce, let me just dig into something you shared with me before. You'd said that you and your wife at a certain point had sort of come to this conclusion about, um, I'm going to just maybe shrink it up, but always saying yes. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you were thinking of it, but always saying yes to when people would invite you out, even to things you didn't necessarily want to go to. Tell us a little bit about the mindset there. Yeah, I think a lot of of the things that uh, maybe the, I don't know, the unchurched culture does that we don't do, they do some things very well. Like they they probably socialize better than us and... uh, Anyways, we just said if we're going to, you know, if you're going to be friends with people, if you're going to do life with them, like you kind of got to, you know, when they ask you to do something, say yes. And so we, I don't know how good we are at it, but we, we there was lots of times where we, that phrase would come into our, when we got invited to do something, we would, well, we said we'd say yes, so let's go. Cool. Well seems like here we've got the setup. You've got two farmers, right? They know each other somewhat, but not to the point where they're there yet. But August 7th happened. And so, Mike, start to tell us about August 7th, what that day was like. Well, August 7th uh, is now a special day, but started off maybe not so special. Um, wasn't a great day that day. Few farm things went wrong, uh, nothing major. Um, I was looking forward to an over-the-phone counseling session with uh, Jay Sills and one of his colleagues. Um, I'll be honest, it was another lengthy call with a couple counselors with results that I just wasn't happy with. It seemed like the same old counseling that hadn't worked for the past years. So I decided that um, that evening was going to be the night that I committed suicide. Um, uh, I waited till my boys come home from dirt biking. I was going to grab Louie and go for a dirt bike ride with him, but I grabbed my oldest son, Reg, first. 
said we're going to go get a load of peas from the field and I told him to jump in the driver's seat instead of the passenger seat. I was going to show him how to drive the big truck that night. I thought that'd be a great way for him to remember his dad. Um, we went to the field and he did a great job for his first time and drove back and as we got into the, got in the yard, my phone rings. I look at my phone and it's J or Royce Lewis. And I look at him like, what's Royce phoning me for? Like, he rarely phones me. He does phone me, but he rarely phones me. And at this point, I'm kind of extremely mad. Like, I think Royce Lewis and Jay Sills are conspiring against me and <laughs> imposing their will on my life to change the course of what's going to take place. And, and I was mad. I literally was. And I picked up the phone abruptly. I don't even really know what I said to him other than I'll, I'll phone you back. I waited a bit, and I picked up the phone again, and I phoned him back, and at this point, um, I was ready to share my dark story with Royce for some reason. As I shared my story with Royce, he was quick and confident to share his face with, faith with me. Um, as we talked, it was a very long talk, I can't remember all the details, but he kept stressing about his relationship with God and how it got him through the good times and bad times and basically gets him through every day. So I'm listening to this conversation I'm having with Royce, and I'm thinking of... Jay Sills and Royce Lewis use God to get through every day. Um, maybe I should too. These are two guys that I respect a lot, and I'll be honest with you, I'm extremely jealous of how happy they looked in their lives when I was so miserable and kind of decided that maybe this is a path that I should take. So I asked Royce, like, how do I do this? So he recommended three things that I can remember. He said, you're going to surrender yourself to God tonight. You're going to start reading the Bible, and he says you're going to start praying for things that you need out of life tonight. Can I, can I just jump in here? This is, this is, this is packed, isn't it? This is just packed, what's, what, what you're sharing here yeah. right now. Um, I, Royce, I want you to tell us the other side. Like, you, you literally were phoning about dirt biking that day? Yeah, I guess Mike... So had Jay set you up to it? That's what I want to know. Is Jay, had Jay set you up to this phone call? No, well, Mike kind of says, like, I think he kind of alluded to that, and I said... What's Jay? Why would Jay call me or tell me to phone you? Or yeah, I guess you know Mike had been on my heart a little bit, and I was on a combine that night. That doesn't happen that often where I get to phone all my friends. And and uh, yeah, we got we got Bluetooth now, so it's kind of nice. Um, yeah, so I phoned Mike, and he's like, "I'll call you back." I was like, oh, that's, he's busy, so I'm, I'm not expecting a call back. And more or less, basically just hung up, and I bet you it was 30 seconds and he called me back, maybe less. I was like, that's weird. So, yeah, he just kind of started to open up to me, and, and uh, yeah, I guess I, I was prompted to call him. Um, he, yeah, right away, he's like, why are you calling me? And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, I, we were talking about dirt bikes or whatever, so. <laughs> what farmers talk about. Okay. Well, Mike, can you, guys, can you tell me the three things he told you to do again and just keep going with your story? I just wanted to get Royce told, aside. Yeah, for sure. He uh, told me to surrender myself to God to that, that night. He told me to start reading the Bible. And he told me to start praying for things I needed out of life that night. Those are the, he may have told me more, but those are the three things that I that kind of stick out when I kind of responded to him. I have no idea how to do any of these. So he gave me some words to surrender my life to God that night. Told me where to start reading in the Bible, and he told me to start reading in Matthew. 
And then he said, just start a conversation with God. So got done doing what I'm doing. So I went into the house and I sat in the chair. And I wish I could remember the words that he said to surrender my life to God, but I can't, to be completely honest with you. But I used these words to surrender my life to God and, and nothing happened. There was no bright light. The house didn't shake. Um, I was assured of myself that I did it completely wrong. And this was another dead end road. So I scrambled out of the room. I was looking for a Bible, and I didn't know where to find one. My wife got in the house, and I asked her if we had a Bible in the house, because I, to be honest, I wasn't really sure if we did. So she brings me this little itsy-bitsy Bible to read, and I'm trying to read it in Matthew, and I get a little ways, and I can't read it. It's so small. So I said, I need, I need another Bible. I can't read this. So she goes and gets me this brand-new Bible. It's shiny, brand-new Bible out of a box. And I'm like, where do we get this thing, you know? She said, well, your grandma and grandpa give it to us for our wedding present. So a Bible is kind of special to me. There's kind of an extended story of that. If anybody wants to hear it, I can share it with you after. But uh, there is an extended story of that one. And so I started reading in Matthew, and I didn't get very far. I got to Matthew verse 4, uh, 8, and it's where, um, and it just kind of grabbed me. And it's where Satan takes Jesus to the highest mountaintops and shows him all the kingdoms and says, this will all be yours if you bow down to him. And um, I'm kind of convinced that I translated incorrectly that night and I wasn't sure um, what it really meant but to me it just kind of felt like I was living my life wrong and I was uh, bowing down to the wrong guy and I was losing the fight in a big way and it nearly cost me my life that night but I kept reading deeper into Matthew and every time I'd read deeper I'd read a little ways and then I'd come back to this verse and I'd just read it and I'd just like I'm doing it wrong something grabbed me and read deeper and I kept coming back to that until I kind of got tired and and which wasn't long because my head was kind of buzzing pretty good that night. And so as I laid in bed that night, she said, my wife asked me, she says, what else did Royce tell you to do? And she said, you should start praying for things you need out of life. And, and I really haven't shared this prayer with anybody, but um, I'm going to share it today. And it's, it's very basic. It's a very simple prayer. And, and I just prayed to God that night. I wanted to be a better husband and I wanted to be a better father. I wanted to be a better son as well. And I didn't want to wake up dying every morning in a dream. And I wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to sleep. And, you know, uh, I don't think I got the words out of my mouth that night and I was sleeping. And I think that night I had the best sleep ever. Um, the next morning, I woke up. My eyes snapped open. I laid there for a few seconds. And the first thing I noticed, there was no dream. Um, I got out of the got out of bed and... I, I really didn't know what was happening because it was so routine that I wake up in this dream and start my day off sluggishly, you know, and I'm standing at the end of the bed and I feel different. My wife wakes up and she's kind of starting to cry because she knows the shape that I'm in and she said, is everything okay? And I said, yes, <laughs> it is. And like the feeling that morning, it, was, it felt like I was cleaning out a filing cabinet and just throwing out old terrible files and terrible things that I've done and terrible things that people have done to me and it just felt like it was all just gone and for the first time I kind of felt full you know like it just felt like something had taken over and someone entered the house and I felt joy and happiness on a whole new level I, it's really kind of hard to explain but the only way I can ex describe it is it was like overwhelming emotion I felt when my two boys were born you know like you just you don't realize how much you love them but they're there and you don't even know them and you love them so much, you know, and it was really, that's the only way I can compare the emotion to was, was that, it was the birth of my children. 
So then I got in the shower and I stood there for 20 minutes and I had a conversation with God and I was thanking him for what he had done in my life and I resurrendered my life to God that morning. I didn't feel like I did it right the night before and it felt like I did it right that morning and and uh, made me feel good to do it and and yeah, it was it was quite an amazing feeling. So it was a start of something I've never felt before. Well, I don't have to say it. It's powerful stuff, right? This is powerful stuff, what God has done in your life, Mike, and uh, we're just amazed at what God can do, right? It's amazed. Um, I'm going to circle back a little bit here. Uh, Royce and Mike, when I, when I, when actually when Mike, when you first told me your story, there was just this, to me it was this echo that I heard within the story. And, um, well, let me preamble it a bit so I don't, uh, I don't have to explain it afterwards, but when it comes to like mental health struggles, we believe 100% in this church to go to professionals, to go to counseling, to go, you know, medication's not bad, you know, we don't have any problem with any of those things. That's probably why there's a lot of helping people within our church. There's doctors and nurses and counselors and police officers, and they're all trained in those things. And as pastors, we train in those things. Those are all really great. So just in case that's not clear, we believe in all that stuff, 100%. Uh, but yeah, we also believe in spiritual darkness. We also believe in the power of God to save and deliver and heal. We also believe in those things as well. So it's not either or in our lives. It's both and. We, th- we think these are very important. In fact, uh, I think you had said to me earlier that uh, earlier this week you were saying that some of the tools that they were offering you in, in mental health helps were, uh, they, even though you didn't, weren't excited about um, these, just using these tools and, and trying to cope through your life. In fact, that didn't take away your despair. But then now you're actually using some of those tools and finding them quite helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, later in my speech that I wrote out here that I'm reading, <laughs> uh, I do touch on it. And uh, I have circled back and I have visited the folks at the mental health center, like with my doctor and and some counseling and some uh, prescription drugs. Uh, I'm not too proud to say it. And the thing of it is, if you're struggling, these are the people you need to start talking with. And these people have helped me um, a ton. And they help a lot of people. So, I mean, God put these people in, my, in front of me for, these, for them to use, you know. And, and I wouldn't be able to use these people if God hadn't shown them to me and, and, the, and the positive things that they're doing in my life and many others. So I'm not discrediting uh, yeah. medical doctors and prescription drugs because I am, I'm using the tools. I just, I kind of say like before, like I wasn't counselable, if that's a word, and now I am counselable. And uh, it feels good. And, and these people, um, they, they put some place, stuff in place for me that's working extremely well right now. And along with, the, along with uh, God getting me through every day and the counseling, it's, 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 a, it's quite a combination right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. The, one of the things now, I said all that because I want to lead into this thing. One of the things that dropped my, it dropped my jaw when you told me your story was, and I'll just 
you can comment on it, but it was like when you were telling, um, like you'd go to a counselor and, the, and, you'd, and you were asking this question basically, like can this darkness go away? Like, and you had again and again people in the helping profession probably give the right kind of answer in their world, right? Which is to say, well, I don't know, but we'll use, we've got some tools that will help you. We'll work with those and stuff like that. But I think when you were telling me your story, what hit me was you got an I don't know and an I don't know and an I don't know. But then when you talked to Royce, you didn't get an I don't know. You got something very different. You got an I know. Can you tell me what that I know was? Well, of all the I don't knows and, you know, these tools that they were trying to tell me that were going to work that didn't work, um, you know, Royce was so confident in, in his faith and, and God and what he does in his life. And Royce told me, like, I'm going to see miracle, miracles in my life. And, you know, I didn't know what that was, you know. Um, now, to me, like, yeah, God did save my life that night. But to me, even miracles now is I'll pray for a 15-minute nap in the field and I'll get it, you know. <laughs> so those are, those are now miracles to me. And, and I get what he's saying, but God has worked has done huge miracles in my life and, um, and very small miracles, but yeah, you know, when I, when I had somebody confidently telling me that I'm going to be able to get through this and this is what I'm going to use to get through it and and move forward, it was, it was a little boost of confidence and it was, um, it was worth a shot. Mm. So Royce, you got to tell us the other side of this one. Okay. So how did, how did you, so in the moment you were able, now I'm just going to say this is what you said because I think this is how Mike related to me the very first time I heard the story. So again, I know you guys remember it ever so slightly different on, on finer details and we're not worried about that. It's the main details. But I think when Mike first related to me, he just said that you said, I know what you need. You need to surrender your life to God. So that's hopefully close to what you were saying. But how did you get to the point where you could say that confidently? Yeah, I think, you know, Mike opened up to me and, uh, you know, I guess I was sore surprised, but not really. Like, it's just, it's, it's happening all around, around me with certain friends that are, they just struggle, you know, and, and uh, I've gone through struggles and, and, uh, you know, I just resort to, you know, my faith and that's the only thing that works for me. So I think initially I just kind of said to Mike, you know, this, this, the ideas that we place on our lives are the ideas of success that we have are, you know, they're, you know, we're, we're here such a short time. And to put kind of some of that into perspective that, you know, not like all the stuff we have in our sheds is all going to burn. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, I guess maybe I share a little bit of sort of my his, little bit of history with, with anxiety and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I just basically described how, to him how I need Jesus and, you know, that he needed him too. You had a neat experience with... Now, you share... Okay, I'm going to tell one more on Royce that I'm not sure he was going to tell, but... So, it's a story Royce told me. He's told me how this had happened, this August 7th, 7th experience had happened. And then he told me... I said, so, 
you know, what are you doing to follow up? Like, what did you tell him to do? And, you know, basically this thing, she's, you know, read the Bible and, and, and talk to God, and, you know, and those kind of things. But one thing Royce told me, he said, was um, in the moment I panicked and I told him, just read Matthew. I remember you telling me that. In the moment I panicked, just read Matthew. I said, well, that doesn't sound like panicking. Um, but Matthew starts with a bunch of genealogies, which isn't the most thrilling and exciting things. And, uh, but God got a hold of you in, in Matthew chapter 4. And verse 8 there about uh, that, you know, taking an E before the enemy or a an knee before God and stuff like that. But you had a neat follow-up that happened really soon after that with Matthew chapter 4. Yeah, I did. Um, after, after everything kind of happened, I, I really wasn't sure if any of this was even really real or even possible. It felt like, yeah, I was just kind of out there, you know. I was happy. I wasn't anxious, I wasn't worrying, it was just something I've never felt before, so I was really questioning whether it was real or how it could be real, you know. So, I went over to a neighbor's place, and he's a kind of a man that lives for God, and he does some, so it was easy to share with him, like it was exciting, it was easy, and he does some speaking at his church, and he mentioned I should listen, listen to them online, and he had mentioned he did a recent talk, and one that he highly recommended to me, and it was on Matthew 4. And I'm like, this God stuff has to be real. <laughs> like, like, you just can't, you can't make this stuff up. So I'm starting to notice that not only has God, you know, saved my life, you know, he's kind of putting some things in place, and I don't know why this Matthew 4 resonate, was starting to resonate through my life and why it was lining up, but it was really, really, I guess you could call it a coincidence, but I know it's not a coincidence now. I'm going to just add a bit. This morning, Mike told me, he said, earlier this week, he said, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm using that verse out of context or if I'm using it rightly or, or you know, interpreting it wrong or whatever in, in Matthew. And uh, then, so I think Pastor Dave Wicks had given you a devotional book. Tell us what you read to, today. Well, today, right? Yeah, this today, morning. This morning. Yeah. So I, I read the Bible a lot and uh, Pastor Dave Wicks has, had given me a devotional book and it's a great little book I read. Uh, but I take Sundays off of the, like, I don't read the Bible on Sundays and I don't read my devotional on Sunday because I'm coming here and I'm going to, I'm going to get some Bible here and stuff, you know? So this Matthew four, like I always question, I never really shared, everybody asked me what Bible verse did you, was it that brought you, you know, what sparked you? And I never told anybody. And the reason I didn't tell anybody is because I thought I kind of interpret, like it interpreted totally incorrectly. So this morning I thought, I'm just going to open this devotional for the fun of it. And I open it up, and the whole devotional on the, on the day is on Matthew 4, verse 8. <laughs> and it breaks down that whole thing, and the, it's interpreted exactly the same way that I, I felt it in my mind. So I, I walk in the church this morning, and I never got a chance to tell Dave Wicks this, but I walk up the front of the church, and I see Steve, and I'm talking to him, and I'm telling him this, and it's just, the stuff just blows my mind. And I used to call them coincidences or anything like that, but I, I, I truly believe now that these, are, these aren't coincidences, and it's uh, pretty interesting when that kind of stuff like lines up like, like that for me. And I, I look forward to every day for stuff lining up like that for me now. So I'm sort of causing us to linger on the seventh and not go forward because there's just so much packed into it. Let me just add one more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward with the story. Um, you told me that 
like you, you talked about, you know, the files being thrown out, you shared that, you had different things you shared about that next morning. Um, but probably one of the things you said to me early in the, at, like early on when I first was hearing your story was you said you woke up feeling full and that was a new experience for you. It was, you know, I walked around feeling empty and just felt nothingness, you know, it didn't matter what I did in my life. Um, I did lots of interesting things in my life and, and I'll be honest with you, like some things kind of come easy to me, like I had great success and, you know, my cattle ventures and, and things like that and I did really well and, and at the end of it all, it didn't matter how good you did or how much you sold your cattle for, it just didn't really fill a void, you know, and I, you know, it didn't matter, you know, I just kept going, I'd go from one thing to the next looking for f fulfillment in life and didn't know why I couldn't find it. You know, I kept, I just kept bouncing. And that morning I woke up and I felt full and it's just like, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't even know if full is the right word to describe it or not, but I just felt like something entered my life that where I, you know, I didn't need to be jumping from thing to thing, bouncing around, trying to find fulfillment. I found it and it's here. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, yeah, that's great. Isn't that, you know, I'm, I don't have the chapter and verse right off the top of my head, but isn't that what the Apostle Paul prayed for people? He said that, I pray that you'd be able to experience the fullness of God, right? The fullness of God. And uh, when he said that to me, I was just like, whoa, you felt full. That was amazing. Um, so let's, let's jump. Uh, anything more from those early days right after uh, August 7th or anything more? Oh, there's lots. <laughs> there's so much. I mean, it was great. I can remember one day I was driving. We blew a belt on the combine, and and it, you know when you're broke down. If I broke down on the combine, uh, I get extremely agitated. And I can remember I had to run to town to get a belt for the combine and come out. And I'm sitting there with my arm out the window with this probably a fifteen hundred dollar belt that I was happy to pay for sitting beside me and my hand out the window and I can remember I just picked up the phone and I phoned Tim Lewis and he's like what's up and I said I'm just happy you know and he says nobody's ever phoned me and told me that before you know <laughs> and and I was happy I was broke down I was happy I had this expensive belt and I'll be honest with you I've never really felt happy in my you know not very often in my life and it was nice to feel happy for a change but there's, there, I could go on for, I could go on for a long time, and I, like I just want to say, I'm an approachable person. If anybody wants to hear the three, four, five-hour version of this story, <laughs> and do the question and answer period, I, I do enjoy talking about it. Um, so just feel free to grab me at any time, and we can extend the the story, and we can we can give all sorts of details and points if you like. All right. Well, Royce, I'm going to get you to jump in a little bit more. Is there anything more about August 7th or just the, the, those first few days that, that uh, stand out to you? I, you said to me something on Wednesday. You were just saying, like, when you're discipling somebody, you need to... Yeah, I think while well, you're... It was pretty exciting for me um, to see a little bit of... Well, most importantly, to see Mike's life transformed and uh, I remember phoning him the next morning because it was pretty like it was pretty matter of fact what I told him to do he's like what should I do and 
you know, do these three steps and, uh, you know, start, start your relationship with God. And I basically said, you don't have to do anything else. Submit your life to Christ. Like he's, and, uh, you know, he'd ask me, do I got to start going to church? And I'd be like, no, you're not, you're not joining a club. You're joining the family of God. Like this building doesn't define who, who I am. It's our relationship, you know, our personal relationship with God. And, and I think, uh, yeah, one of the first things I asked him was like, did you have the dream? And he's like, no, I didn't have the dream. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, and that, and that had been two years every day. Yeah. Nearly two years that you'd had the same dark dream. Yes. Yeah, so then just, I mean, maybe you're going to ask this, he asked this question later in our, we're kind of going rogue here a little bit, but, um, you know, just walking through this with Mike, um, there's just so many little miracles, like, there's just too many coincidences, like, um, yeah, and, you know, it's really been faith-affirming for me to continue just building relationships with with the people around me that are struggling or even if they're not struggling, just, uh, yeah, we need, we, Mike and I, like, we're, we've been there for each other now and he's, he's, he's impacting my life probably more than I'm impacting his and, and in all this, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of shows up, not just kind of, but does. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just pretty matter of fact that, that evening. And so it was like, wow, what, what just happened here? And, and, uh, but it's, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. It's a simple faith and there's no, there's no requirements before or after, mm-hmm. um, you know, yielding our life to Christ is, is just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you had shared on Wednesday, you'd said that, uh, you said to Mike that God will show you the areas that you need to change, right? That it isn't like a, you know, here's a set program for you, but it's that you're actually going to be guided by God in the process of change. Yeah, well, I think Mike wants to talk about this too, but he'd say, well, do I got to go to church? No. I said, don't change anything. Don't put any pressure on yourself. Just let God do the work in you. He will. You know, do I need to quit drinking? No. These aren't requirements to, to meet Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Mike, tell us about the weeks after and the months. I mean, it's been eight months now, roughly. You know, so um, tell us about what's changed in those. In, I mean, you've given us lots that's changed, but tell us more about that. Well, lots has changed, obviously, but uh, the number one thing that kind of stands out to me that has really impacted my life and helped out is... Uh, I don't have the urge to drink alcohol anymore. Um, I didn't even ask for it, and God took it completely out of my life. I haven't drank since. Um, I could turn this whole thing into a don't start drinking and don't do drugs talk, but we don't have that kind of time time for it. But now being sober for uh, eight months, looking back, alcohol had a very negative effect on my life. And when you're dealing with mental illness, um, I'm 100% certain that uh, alcohol and THC products amplified my mental illness in a in a very negative way. Um, our family, 
we always do things with people and we're always kind of going here, there and everywhere. Um, you know, we always surrounded ourselves with friends and that sort of things, but we, you know, it's the same, but we just do things a little differently now. Uh, we really enjoy coming to church every Sunday. Like my wife and I took the Alpha course, which is which is a great little course for for anybody, especially me though, like kind of a newcomer in this whole thing. Um, you know, I find myself in prayer quite often and randomly just chatting with God through the day, and I attend the odd prayer summit here at the church. Um, giving is becoming quite normal in our house. Um, I give a lot of time at the Riverside Mission, which is a great place to. Uh, Volunteer. I'm going to give a couple places, a couple shameless plugs coming up here because, I mean, these places need a lot of help, and it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty re- rewarding experience down there working at those that place. Another place I go to a lot uh, is Joe's place. Um, I, I attended the Christmas Eve church service here, and there was a pamphlet on Joe's place, and I thought maybe I should just try volunteering down there. And I got there and and uh, met some folks down there, Joe and all the volunteers, and that place just blows my mind. Um, it's an amazing place. Joe and, like, they, they, they just do amazing work. And I'm down there helping out, cleaning up and helping with the kids and chatting with the kids, and I think the kids are helping me more than I'm helping them, I think, most days. So if you find time, I mean, Joe's place, Riverside Mission, they all need, they all need help down there, and, and they're great places to help out. Uh, these are all places that you wouldn't have found me prior to August 7th. Um, not that I didn't know what the inside of a church looked like or anything like that, but um, just just places I didn't hang out, didn't volunteer places. Um, yeah, but we still hang out with our friends. We still do all that kind of thing. Um, nothing, nothing has really changed. It's actually quite easy. That's awesome. How about you, Bryce, in the last few weeks and months? Yeah, I just... Uh it's neat some of the things that come out of this just uh mike i think mostly just he's been pulling us along um on this journey um you know there's a few you know he'll it's been great to just to get to know him and his family better and then uh yeah i'm just trying to i wrote some stuff down here so yeah i think um just that he's he's shared his testimony with I'm going to say easily 50 maybe 100 people so you know me talking to one guy like I didn't realize what kind of effect you know a life change could have on our community and uh yeah, I, I think I think I've tried to slow him down a little bit because he's. But yeah, so like I think it was Tamara. Like we're like three weeks into this, and he's like, he's he's already showing us up, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, not that I mean she was she was like, you know, we're not obviously worried about that. We're just it's just he's just yeah he's. He's, his life changed, and his personality hasn't changed, so he's just that type of person that's going to gonna dedicate a lot of his time to what his, what his passion is. And, and uh, so for me, it just reaffirms, like, even just the last, like, I mean, this has been eight months, and every week we have something. Like, it's just like, it's just, there's just too much coincidence. Like, just little miracles, just little reaffirming things. And so... 
yeah, I mean, we're praying for our friends and I'm praying for his friends and he's praying for my friends and we're praying for our friends and and there's just there's just time times that show up like I mean I talked to three three guys last week that they're going going through some stuff and and uh sometimes sometimes you just listen, sometimes you plant a seed, sometimes you give them the goods they need to hear and so awesome I think that uh, I think hopefully you're feeling your faith has risen a little bit since you came here this morning and I think you know just the simplicity of um, someone with great need and boy there's so many needs in our community being able to hear the simplicity of I know what you need you need to surrender your life to God even if you can't spell it all out, even if you don't have, know what you're going to say next, but just even to say, well, I, I can point you in a direction and, uh, and to be able to offer that to people. I think, Royce, you were sharing on Wednesday, and that actually quite got me. You were talking in farmer terms, and I'm not a farm boy, but I married a farm girl, so I have to learn. Uh, you were saying that you felt like it's sort of like that between July and August and the crop is starting to turn. Yeah, I think... I think, uh, yeah, it just seems like, I mean, just, just look at mental health in and of itself. I mean, it just seems like whether the stigma of it is, is breaking, um, but there's just, or there's just more vulner, vulnerability um, because of social media, I don't know, but people are hurting and, you know, God is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think just what's what's going on in the world has pushed people to really question what what the heck are we here for? And so, I think yeah, I I said to Steve, I feel like it's like August first and crops coming in, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I wrote down is is uh, you know we just have to ask God. There's never, I don't think there's ever anything you can't ask God for. Does that, doesn't mean, you know, but we have not because we ask not. So ask for his guidance, ask for his wisdom, ask for, put people in your life to pray for and build relationships with. Ask God to to meet them where they're at. Well, Royce, I'll ask you this question, and then, Mike, you can answer it, too, afterwards. Um, is there anything that y- you'd like to say to those people who, they feel that hesitancy within themselves, you know, that sort of, like, to share their faith? And it's, you know, I think we all feel it at some level. So what, how would you speak to those who feel hesitant to, uh, you know, share about it? And, you know, what, is it worth it? Is it, you know, I guess that's where I'm getting at with, in, in the end here. Yeah, I think it's just be yourself, be a friend, build relationships with people that you, you've already connected with. It's, it's mostly about, I think, just being there. Uh, you know, Jesus was here to serve and to love people. And, you know, that's, yeah, it, I mean... I've been a Christian my whole life. I, there's less than a handful of people I've maybe had impact in them coming to Christ. 
So, you know, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, and, yeah, I think, yeah. How about you, Mike? Well, my life has turned around since Royce has led me to Jesus, and it was because he had the confidence to share his faith with me. Uh, he was always planting little seeds before August 7th, and then when I needed it the most, he bluntly laid it out for me. So, so for everybody in this building, I'd just like to say it is worth it. I've had Christian people around me my whole life, and I didn't know any of them had this amazing gift. So don't be afraid to tell someone what God's doing in your life or what God can do for them. Um, I'm pretty fortunate I had that conversation with Royce that night. I think we all feel like we got to be some super spiritual kind of person to share our testimony. Like in our testimony, is just little things that God has done in our life. And if anybody knows me, they know that I'm not, you know, a super spiritual person, or at least from the outside. And uh, I haven't got it all together, not even close. So... These guys wanted me to make a disclaimer that these guys aren't stars. They're just, they're just recipients of the grace of God, right? As we all are, right? And, um, yeah. Well, any last words, guys? Anything else you want to share? Just a couple of thank yous. Uh, one to God, for sure. And uh, one to my wife that has lived with me my, most of my life. We've been married over 20 years now, and living with me isn't, wasn't exactly the easiest and uh, she's put up with me this long and and uh, our life is starting to level out and starting to fill up and it feels good and I just want to thank her a lot and definitely thank God for what he's done in my life and what he's going to do for me in the future I'm just yeah I'm thankful Mike's in my life and and uh, thankful that you know we have a church to support us and uh, these guys are, you know, Pastor Dave, Pastor Steve, Pastor Kurt, and, you know, so many of my friends that are here. It's, uh, you know, we need each other. Absolutely. Let me just, uh, as we're wrapping it up here, you, you hear this story this morning. I, I think this is going to hit us on so many levels, right? Um, let me just, just hit on a few of them. Uh, God has the power to deliver. God has the power to heal. We've been talking about that basically these last two weeks. Um, at the same time, I, I want to almost put it, something on it saying results may differ. You know how they, if you take a prescription drug, they say that at the end, right? So I have friends who, um, my father-in-law was delivered from alcoholism, and uh, Mike talks about that. But I have other friends, Christian friends, who they spent years in AA, and that was the path for their deliverance. Right? I've had people who have been healed miraculously, good friends who've had an instantaneous healing. I've also had people who um, prayed for something to go away, sort of like Paul did about his thorn in the flesh, and it didn't go away, but God's grace was sufficient for them. Right? So I'm going to just say that, put that out there, because uh, I don't want people to think that we can cookie-cutter God. We can't. He's sovereign, Right? But I don't want us to have shrinking faith to believe that God can't do certain things. I want us to have faith that expands and grows because our faith right now doesn't match how great God is. We can't even imagine. We can't even imagine to ask for the things that he can do. Our imagination doesn't even match his capability. 
And so we need growing faith, not shrinking faith in this time. And um, so if you're listening today and your struggle is with mental health, you recognize that this is, uh, this is the area where you're struggling right now, I, I encourage you, uh, don't keep it a secret. You've got to reach out to people who, who, who uh, are around you and can help you. So reach out to, we mentioned different people, you know, reach out to those people who are professionals in this area, open up to friends. Um, I would say if you know someone who is a believer, open up to them, right? Talk to them. And uh, I'm not saying they'll have all the answers, but you shouldn't do this alone. You should, uh, you should open up to people who uh, will walk with you, will care for you, and uh, you really shouldn't be alone in this, and we don't want that. If, you have, if you've got nobody, call the church. You just call the church. If you've got nobody, you call the church, and there'll be someone on the phone ready to talk to you and pray with you today. So I really want you to do that. The other thing is you might hear Mike's story and just go, okay, I get it. I got to give my life to Christ. I don't know how to do it either, right? I didn't know how to I did it wrong. Remember him saying that? I did it wrong. Although the results showed I think you did it right. Um, but it's not, it's not about magic words. It's not about having the exact prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not about that. It's not about that. It's reaching out in great need and great trust to God, knowing he is the answer, knowing that he is the one that we need. And just calling out to him. Those who call in the name of Jesus will be saved, right? Just call out to him, right? You don't have the right words. You don't know a way to say it. You don't know how to talk like a preacher. You don't need any of that. But he's there. He's there. And in fact, he's especially there when you're on the edge. When you're teetering on the edge of your life, he is closer to you than you can imagine. In fact, the scripture says he is close to the brokenhearted especially close to the brokenhearted. So that's you today. If you're, if you're the brokenhearted, God is right there for you. So I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. It's a prayer that we pray often here because it's the kind of prayer you could pray every day just to reiterate your commitment to God. But for those of you who are listening, it might be the prayer that starts you on a brand new journey, just like Mike's journey started on August the 7th. So let me just, uh, let's just pray this together. Here in the house, would you just repeat after me? Let's commit ourselves to Christ in a new way, and maybe there's some in the house who are doing it for the first time, and if you're online, then I invite you to pray this prayer. So, dear God, thank you that you love me, and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I surrender my life to you. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn things over to the worship team, and they're going to.